You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. Hearty welcome to everyone to the business of cannabis, where for the rest of November, we'll be bringing you live interviews that I did from the exhibition floor of MJ BizCon, the world's largest cannabis trade show held this year from October 19th to the 22nd at the Las Vegas Convention Center. For those who are there, I don't have to tell you what a massive show was. Highly recommend it to anyone interested in the business side of cannabis. I had the opportunity to talk to a number of incredible companies and uh, hope to bring you their stories. Our first interview definitely fits into that category. Far and Daughter is a new franchise author brought to you by the Curio Wellness people. They got their start on the medicinal side of cannabis in Maryland while they're branching out in a very big way. Wendy Braun Fine and Jarrell Registre take us through the thought process into the launch of Far and Daughter, why they decided to use the franchise model. And Jarell uh, tells us about an interesting approach. They're providing funding for minority and disadvantaged franchisees. So I think you'll find uh, that to be an interesting conversation. I switch things up on you a bit, and we take a foray into cannabis law with one of America's leading cannabis lawyers, Sally Kent Peebles of Vicente Sederberg, which is a law firm dedicated solely to the cannabis industry, which is fairly unique in itself. Uh, Sally uh, guides us through some of the legal pitfalls to avoid and tells us where she thinks the law is headed in this most legal of industries. Uh, From the law, we leapfrog into cannabis uh, production and branding. You'll meet Anna Kaplan of Sugar Top Buttery of Oregon, and that's buttery, B-U-D-D-E-R-Y, not the, uh, the famous milk product. Anna, along with her brother, started the company as a labor of love and soon found they had a full-fledged business on their hands. Uh, Anna will describe the journey from concept to being a significant player in the Oregon cannabis scene, and most importantly, how their values, which are rooted in the arts, have played a major role in shaping the company and shaping their success. So let's dive in from the exhibition floor at MJ BizCon, held at the Las Vegas Convention Center. This is the business of cat. Welcome to the business of cannabis here on the floor of FJ BizCon. And uh, we are privileged to be talking to Wendy 
officer and director of public policy at Curio Wellness. Um, so she's obviously too busy to be doing this, so thank you for joining us. Um, Wendy's career has been on the creative side in broadcasting and the entertainment space, uh, most recently with Disney ABC. Past six years, focused on growing Curio Wellness, which is a Maryland-based uh, medical cannabis brand. Uh, Curio Wellness recently announced a rebranding of its retail operations.
as they develop new fiction there, Michael reached out to me. I'd worked with Michael uh, in a past life, and um, he asked me to join to turn their idea of providing financing into a private equity fund. So what we've kind of fast forward to now, have developed is a $30 million fund. We're almost done with the fundraise. And we think it's enough capital to launch 40 to 50 dispensaries in partnership with Moran Daughter. So the idea being that it's kind of a one-two punch in terms of removing access to capital barrier for diverse entrepreneurs, but then um, kind of pursuing it to, uh, to really developing a plan for success for the folks we sponsor by also offering operational support that's embedded in the franchise. That's great. So what was the idea behind the rebranding um, you know, of uh, the retail operations? As the sort of market has evolved um, in going to launch its franchise, we had made the decision that we wanted to create like a second brand. So um, Curio Wellness, which is our parent company, um, represents the wholesale side, the flour we cultivate, the products we make, but to create a new name under um, the wellness center that we were going to franchise out. And uh, Foreign Daughter is Swedish. Uh, we are not Swedish, but it is... It, <laughs> Right. So part, that's part of. So part of the reason that we selected it was we were we were kind of brainstorming on who we are and what is connected to that story. Foreign daughter is Swedish for father and daughter, um, and the company was started by me and my father. Today it is me, my as I mentioned, other people, but there are two daughters in there. So it's you have to have an Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, so it's it's connected to that idea of um, we are a family founded business in the world of franchising or obviously have independent entrepreneurs and and the hope is there that anyone in that group would create generational wealth so that it kind of aligns with that family aspect um, and honestly it happened to be that in going through the, the Google translator translator tool and playing with different languages of that phrase this one when I hit far I was like well that's an English word so that's relatively um, accessible for people and daughter was easy enough to say and it flowed well and we went for it. That's great. <laughs> I love it. So take us through that. What, how do you envision the um, experience uh, for a franchisee prospect? And then, Jarrell, how do you see seeking out to participate in this program? It's one thing to say it. You have to you know, access that community and do your due diligence. So talk to me about kind of so on a high level, I would just set up um, that there's kind of two buckets of, of people. So there's what we would refer to as a group called like perspective and new. So that would be anyone who is thinking about entering um, the license, the licensing uh, application process in their state and wants to enter this business or someone who might have a pending license or a license that they've won that they haven't activated yet where they could kind of take on the franchise. We provide a lot of solutions of back house support and make it easier to start that business. The other is those who are already operating and kind of have felt the pangs of being in this space and think that they can amplify their business by converting to the brand and having the back of house support. In terms of finding uh, franchisees and then, uh, in particular, diverse franchisees, 
one would sponsor. Really, um, the way I think about it is to make sure that we're improving the candidacy of somebody who's committed to the industry, right? So my goal isn't to find someone to turn them into a cannabis uh, business owner. It's much more so to put somebody in a position where they're, they already have that entrepreneurial drive, they have that will to succeed, they have the skill set that's suggestive of their ability, but they have these hurdles, right? So whether it's the access to capital, or maybe it's um, they're, they're a talented person, but you know there are gaps in their experience in terms of understanding the nuance of working in retail, right? That's a perfect person to, to just put some muscle behind, whether it be the capital, the operating model for the franchise. It's a really awesome place to identify people who we believe are already going to be successful and just open up the room to them, right? Uh, in terms of where we look for folks, in earnest, we've been very fortunate in that um, this is such a, a unique opportunity in the industry right now that we're drawing a lot of attention. So we actually have been really successful uh, since launching Bar and Daughter in terms of people reaching out to us. So it's uh, it's an interesting uh, circumstance that it would be selective because our, our goal is just to find folks who are uh, best positioned to win a license and then support them in that process right? and make sure that they're presenting themselves. You know, the states uh, increasingly have a focus around diversity. So our, our goal is to really obviously make the states uh, effort more fruitful and that their, their favorite diverse candidates where the state support really has a difficult time extending is once someone has a license, can they make them successful? Right? Really, the state programs aren't in that business. They're just providing access to the market. Our, uh, our program, the financing uh, franchise model, really puts a uh, franchisee in the position to, um, you know, once awarded license, now they have the tools and the backing and the support, right? Because entrepreneurship can be pretty lonely, right? Yeah, to really succeed over time. So, so once you identify someone, what, what does the process look like to kind of, you know, get them up and running? Sure. So, from the point where we we have our conviction that this is somebody we want to support, they agree, they sign the franchise agreement, we get all the documentation in place. At that point, if they don't have a license, it's supporting them in the application process because, as you can imagine, the franchise business model um, would need to be reflected in their application, right? Otherwise, they're making up a separate business to apply for, and then you know just kind of backtrack. Support them in the application process. As they win the license, you uh, you end up in a scenario where um, our expertise um, and having run our store really kicks in. We can help uh, build out that store you know, on a predictable basis, right? So one of the major challenges for individual dispensary owners is getting the doors open, right? And we have that experience. Always a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last make, I checked. Make that as a goal, sure. Oh, you'd be amazed, right? You, I mean, 20% of the licenses in, Mark, in Maryland took, I don't know, two and a half years to get open after being awarded by it. 
there's something that I people like to deal with in business. You do so much work just to open the doors, and you haven't even started. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're ready to retire. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Fun, and it's two different jobs, right? If you think about it, if you're a, an independent entrepreneur, right, particularly in the context of retail, the person who can run a successful retail operation is not a real estate developer. No, right? no. <laughs> right? So it really just uh, rounds out the support we can provide, and then it just extends into. Uh, giving guidance around hiring your staff, getting them trained, and then um, uh, the day-to-day operations, like putting in place the, the daily practices that will drive the success of the business. We're here with Wendy Braunfein and Jarrell Registry of Foreign Daughter, which is a new franchise player in the cannabis space. Uh, Wendy, um, what's the... What's the um, Is it Curio Wellness product? Is it other products? Take us through that uh, thought process and, and maybe some of the marketing supports. And, you know, because just getting into what, okay, this is cool. I like this. I like the sound of this. How do I get involved? What, what's going to happen? Design. What are you doing on that side? So take us through that. So um, the dispensary franchise, um, there is a, a template of design. Um, there are prototypes of, of floor plans, and there are selections already for fixtures and outfitting and all of that. So, um, like what when most stores look basically the same? Is that the model? Or yes. Do you look, okay, so it's a. It's a yes. So you so you'd have that consistency of brand appearance, um, and I think in this space it's interesting because you. As we consider how things are evolving, it almost allows an independent to have the muscle of what feels like an MSO, but you remain an independent, right? right? So yep. you've got so much back of how support and you've got built-in brand and like how that can amplify your position, but you don't you didn't have to create it all. So we have sort of the whole design concept. Um, you can get a sense of that when if you visit our, our website, fardaughter.com. Um, and as well as going through the, the process of becoming a franchisee, you see more and more materials and get a, a sense of what we look and feel like. In addition, the marketing is supported as an ongoing measure. So there is the ramp up and all the everything you would get moving towards your grand opening and identifying yourself and how the community would become aware of you and how patients or customers would come to find your store and um, how we see the customer service experience. Um, but then there's also the ongoing kind of factor. And I sort of always give people the examples of, because, you know, it, think about uh, retail in a mall. Now, not every mall store is, comes as a franchise, but you know that when it's a certain time of year, if you were to go into any sort of clothing store of a brand, you're going to see in this state or that state or this city, that city, the same display for holiday 2021, right? Right. So, like, the master corporate side is going to say, Here, here's your toolkit from from a, uh, from a 420 perspective, from a holiday perspective, from a spring is here, any, anything like that um, being delivered these tools to help you best merchandise and promote um, and have that kind of connection back to the mothership for any sort of day-to-day help that you need in executing your business but um, you it'll also kind of gives that pristine uh, consistency across all of the stores so I guess the obvious question but Okay, what, what do you, how do you see this playing out? What are the goals? What's the vision? Is it a Maryland-based thing? Is it surrounding states? 
across the U.S., uh, anywhere. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? So um, this is a national endeavor. Amazing. Um, so we are licensed. Uh, as a franchisor, we can bring this to, to several states across the country. Um, and it's not limited to, me it's medical or adult use markets. So anywhere that it is legal to have a dispensary, it's an option for this franchise to come there. We've been uh, chatting with Wendy Bronfine and Jarrell Registry of Far Daughter, uh, an interesting uh, new player in the franchise cannabis space, so I encourage you to go to www.fardaughter.com, fardaughter.com, check it out, give Wendy and Jarell a call, uh, and I'm sure they'll be happy to talk to you. Um, thank you very much, this is uh, Dave Sky with Matt Cook from the floor of MJ BizCon. Uh, more to come soon. Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. As you mentioned, I started in oil and gas. That was my legal career. I thought that was going to be it. So and you, you realize there's no money in that, so. Well, yeah, there, there was, though. That was actually very profitable. Can't make money in energy. I know. Oil and gas. Who would no, ever think? No. So I, um, I, you could say I went from black oil to green oil. Right. Um, and my, I, I met my husband in 2012 when I was practicing oil and gas law, and he is a cancer survivor. And he owned a marijuana company in Southern California. And he'd just gone through chemotherapy. And not only did I think he was quite handsome, I was just, by the I was incredibly, incredibly inspired by his passion for this plant. And to be honest, in my life, I didn't really 
care either way about marijuana. I could take it or leave it up until that point. Um, I've never really taken a hard look at it. And the way he spoke about it uh, really just inspired me. And right around that time, Colorado had legalized marijuana. In fact, the, the founders of my law firm were instrumental in drafting that uh, initiative and raising the money to pass it. So I reached out to the Vicente Cedar and they hired me a few days later. And I was, I think I was about 37 or 38. Wow. So to make a career change at that time, at that phase in my life was a little nerve wracking. Um, but I did it and um, it's been a wild ride and I'm so excited to say it worked out. When I um, saw you at the conference, I wanted to talk to you. The first question, what does it mean to be a, a cannabis lawyer? I mean, yeah, like I know what everyone thinks and all the jokes, but I'm sure it's that's not what right. We just sit around and smoke pot right, all the that's time. What that's I what, what it really means. Um, <laughs> so I actually get asked that all the time, especially by attorneys like yourself. <laughs> and no, but especially by attorneys like yourself, because it's like. Is there a cannabis law? Is there a cannabis law book manual out there? Right. So and so the way I describe it to people is um, it's it, we, we do everything. We do business law, we do corporate law, we have real estate, um, regulatory law, all of this through a green lens. And at the end of the day, we're looking at contracts um, and having to amend them because federal law does not apply. And we have to take into, into account federal risk. And so that's really marijuana law, but it's the difference between what my friends who practice regular business law and what I did previously is that you've got attorneys on one side and then you have your clients on the other. And there's a little bit of a disconnect there where when I jumped into cannabis law, for the first time, you are aligned with your clients, not just with the business, but you are become advocates for the cause and you're really side by side kind of fighting to make change for this issue. Whereas you don't see a bunch of advocacy generally by attorneys, sometimes, but I think most cannabis attorneys are in this because of the advocacy piece. And there's less dis disconnect between the client and you. I mean, I'm friends with my clients. We're kind of in the trenches together, you know, fighting for change together because it's what's right. And I think together we've created something really special. So let's drill down a little bit. Um, I like that expression, green lens. So what are some examples? Because people listening are like, what, what does it mean? Uh, yeah, I got a, I got a lease of property. Most, in most states, I assume, lease the property before I can even apply and, and that whole thing. So give me some green lens examples of why, oh, I better call Sally Depot's because I could make a huge mistake. And you know, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, a lot of times, clients do call me because they have decided to go into cannabis, and they said, I've signed all these documents. Can you, can you fix it now, right? And I hate to say it, one of my best pieces of advice is really, if you're gonna be in the cannabis business, you need to get a cannabis attorney and a cannabis accountant at your side from the beginning to avoid making the mistakes at the early. For example, um, let's just take a common commercial lease. You know, I have a strong real estate background. Um, in any given day, I could be doing three different types of leases, one from a cannabis tenant, one from the cannabis landlord, and then maybe a lender who's lending to the tenant because there's no banks, remember, so he's all private lending. Um, so it's like we're back in the 16th century. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, it, You're waiting for someone to invent. It's, it's true. And if you indulge, if you indulge me, this is an amazing story. My first closing, my first commercial closing in this business 
someone walked in with bags of cash, like bags of cash to do the closing. This is a yeah. multi-million dollar deal. Because awesome. there was no, it was just crazy. Anyway, that, that's a little different. Yeah. Um, but let's just take a simple. Change a little bit. There are usually clauses in a commercial lease that's, that make the entire lease subject to federal law. You can get out if, if the tenant's breaking federal law. You've got to take that out of Makes there. Sense. How about a nuisance, nuisance clause? Like we have to make sure that the landlord can't get out immediately if, if marijuana is causing a smell because it's causing a nuisance. Um, depending on what state you're in, Regulators want to make sure that not everyone can just walk into these buildings. Buildings, you have to have very strict clauses, clauses about related to businesses. Even the landlord himself try to tell landlord, "I'm going to have a clause in there that you can't go into that building." That's a little. Oh, you know, so wow. so yeah. it's not just the contracts. It's also I have to get on the phone often with opposing parties and opposing parties' counsel to educate them on why things need to be the way they are. That's a good point, because that is not a typical uh, attorney-landlord, hey, landlord, let me explain this business and why you should actually think about it um, and why you should talk them off the cliff. Absolutely. I mean, every, every land, usually tenants come to me, well, I've got the landlord, he almost wants to do it, but could you jump on the phone with him? He and his counsel want to understand what are the risks of federal forfeiture. How, how many times have we seen this? What are, what is the li what's the liability that he's going to be taking on? How can he lessen that? So it's interesting because usually his counsel should be telling him, right. his yeah. client, now the landlord, let's include these. All of a sudden I'm saying, well, to get to bring him to the table, I'm going to tell him how he can lower his risk because otherwise my client's not going to have a lease. Right. You know, my, and, and it's really the tenant often who's getting squeezed. Um, for example, I have clients that are paying at a retail space $35,000 a month for, for a 2,000 square foot set place oh. because very few landlords are leasing to these tenants. So it's short supply, so tenants kind of... They, what are you seeing right So in your experience right now, what's the market like for, for... First, let's talk about leasing. Is the landlord... Well, that's the great game, landlord versus tenant. Is the landlord having most of the power still? Absolutely. Except for when this happens, um, we'll see. We see this in Denver. Now, Denver just announced that there's part, there's parts of the city that they feel there's too many businesses in, so they're going to call those um, cultivations, uh, anything, just in general. And they they are calling those areas of undue concentration. And they say if you shut down or you have a violation, you lose your license. That space can cannot have. A marijuana license hung there, or they limit the number in that area. Now, if you're a landlord, you're making a lot more money if you keep that person in place, right? So, for the first time, I'm now dealing with landlords who are like, "Oh, we got to make sure our tenant stays operating and stays in place. Otherwise, my building might not be able to have that tenant there." So, it's a little bit of, but that's very rare. But that's not okay. Um, what about on? The, what are you seeing on the on the on the? the sell side. So I'm a business, a cannabis business, dispensary or whatever. What's that deal flow looking like? And what's your take on the current state of um, selling? Uh, license purchases? Yeah. And from both sides, the buyer perspective and the seller perspective. Well, I do, the majority of my practice is in that arena and the buying and selling of licenses, asset purchases. 
and I do it in those three states, and it's vastly different. So let's take a state like, let's take a state like Colorado, Oregon. They have open license structure, meaning the state made the policy decision early on not to limit licenses. So if you have a clean background, you got a properly zoned location, you got the fee, you get to open a business generally. You're subject to local jurisdictions. Take that and compare that to Florida, where the state said, we're gonna issue five licenses. You can imagine the licenses in Florida are quite expensive because there are five. Now there's 22 now due to litigation, but, but that policy so decision, tiny, tiny when just as, I think Denver itself has over 200 licenses just in the city of Denver. So the, the price obviously in somewhere like Colorado, you know, retail space, retail license can go for three, five million. You look in Florida, just the piece of paper, they're flipping for 45 million. Not a single piece, not a single asset in addition to the piece of paper. So you can see the difference there. Now, what we're seeing evolving right now are all these companies are really consolidating and you're seeing these massive mergers. Okay. And um, it used to be just you know, one $3 million sale, one $24 million sale. I think that's really where the market's going and you're, you know, I think everyone's amping up for federal legalization one day at when you can actually ship across from state to state. And so everyone wants to have you know, C to C coverage. So people are well, taking some serious business risk in anticipation of something yes. that may or may not happen in one to 25 years. And that is the beauty of this industry. We are all, even me, practicing cannabis law, that's a risk. You know, certain states have come out, the bar, the ethics committees have said, no, you can advise people on cannabis law, you will not lose your license. But that wasn't always the case in Colorado. Oh, wow. I, you know, we are all taking a risk to do what's right. We're all taking a risk to make sure that this industry is filled with the right players and compliant players. And that's what's so exciting. That's the thing, we're all in it together. We're all kind of jumping off a cliff and hoping it works out. We are here with Sally Kent Peebles of Vicente Cedarburg, um, which is a cannabis uh, law firm, one of the leading cannabis law firms in the United States. Um, so what's the vision? For, I, I assume that I'm going to assume the vision is growing with the legalization. Like it is, and that's when, when New York. So what happened when New York went? Well, we opened a New York office. Really, it's just like that. Okay. <laughs> well, just like with me being from Florida, I was barred in Florida when I thought Florida was on the horizon and they were going to open up license, licensing. 2018, I moved to Florida. So a lot of us have been in Colorado, just waiting for our home state to open. Um, the founders of our firm are so incredible and supportive. And you know, when I wanted to move to They're Florida, still in Colorado. they are. Our 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 um, flagship is in Denver, and it will remain so. We have an office in Los Angeles, and Boston, and Florida, and um, we used to have something in D.C. as well. But New York, we set up an office, and and we have been actively taking on clients. Very excited about adult use licensing next year. Right. One last question, which we always run out of time, and I have a thousand questions. <laughs> but other than federal regulation, other than the, the big federal legislation, if you'd snap your fingers and say, this is gonna change in cannabis law, what kind of what kind of bugs you every day in your in your job that like, wow, I've got to do this? It's hard hard to answer that question without saying federal. But I would say it, it would be key 
to, to operate your business, it'd be key to have clarity on federal enforcement. And it would be key to, for, the, for the federal government or state governments to see us as, as legitimate businesses, to stop regulating us so intently, and to get rid of 280E and allow banks to provide lending. Most of this industry is banked, but they're still not able to get lending from a traditional bank. So that allows predatory lending to occur. And that dovetails into everything you just said is all these things flow, and what makes cannabis law unique is what business doesn't have banking. I can't think of another one, not a legal one. And think of the security risk that leaves open. I mean, so my husband owns a marijuana company, and I mean, he would get broken into. I mean, these people just know that there's plants in there worth a lot of money, you know, so, and that there's cash in the retail. They just know it's a cash-heavy company. You know, right. they're just sitting ducks. Right. So well, there was a lot of break-ins, or attempted break-ins, so just, you know, paying is it's expensive to secure. Right. If we were allowed to have banks, that, that risk would go much lower. We're here with Sally Peoples, Vicente Cedarberg, our cannabis law firm, learning all about the complexity of cannabis law, which I didn't quite realize uh, was its own unique thing until I ran into uh, this law firm. I want to, Sally, I want to thank you very much for coming. We all learned a lot. Um, we're here at MJ BizCon. Uh, and we will be right back. ...align with your company values, so there's a lot of, of tools. Um, our, our Insights products are built on Tableau, so there's a lot of power of visualization and filters. Um, and I think our product team is amazing in terms of having a lot of um, actionable items in there too. So you can actually link right to the page to buy products that you know are trending, that are available now, oh, really? that are new. That's exactly. Great. So, you know, you hear about analysis paralysis yeah, a lot. And yeah, so exactly. I think we've done a good job in the products of actually giving you something to do with that, um, both from an action item. And then we also have a lot of just built in um, hover technology and, and tips and tricks along the way so that it's very intuitive and anyone can kind of use it and not get too lost in the weeds either. Well, that's good because data is just data without the insights, right? So exactly. the fact that you're bringing that to the table as well, uh, it makes it a lot easier, especially for people that aren't necessarily analytical or data freaks like you and I are. Um, that, yeah. that sounds like a great platform. So um, well, I'm going to assume when you're at, uh, back at head office, that's what you guys say on the whiteboard, like use the data, figure it out. Because obviously you can't, unless you're maybe Walmart or Amazon, you can't sell to everyone. Um, you don't want to. And, and maybe, yeah, uh, uh, maybe you don't want to or, or don't need to. Um, and we're here with uh, Sylvan Garish and Matt Holden of LeafLink, which is a B2B business cannabis platform connecting 7,000 retailers, over 2,800 brands. So if you fall into that category, and if you're in cannabis, you probably do uh, on some level, uh, reach out. Uh, website leaflink.com, www.leaflink, one word.com. I want to thank you very much uh, for coming. Uh, thank you, David and Matt. Thank you so much. This was great. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit 
www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. manufacturer and distributor of pre-rolls um, and if you're in Oregon you might have uh, enjoyed the Lottie Dottie and Narnia brands. Um, interesting company founded by musicians and artists, family owned, founded in 2015. Um, what's also interesting, Anna is the, uh, along with her brother Jared, was, uh, are the founders of the company and Anna is an um, visual artist, does oil painting, and her brother Jared's music, a skilled musician. So, and we're going to talk about that, so welcome to the show. Awesome, thank you so much for having me. Because we have uh, a lot of people with interesting backgrounds. I might give you the interesting background reward. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, so far. Uh, so how do you go from visual arts and oil painting and music to cannabis? Oh, well, it seems like a pretty straight line to me. Yeah, but... <laughs> exactly. I don't know if that's an easy question or hard. But well, go it's, ahead. it's pretty simple. So as far as cannabis being a creative-inducing uh, plant and uh, product, it's pretty much something that's always been a part of our lives, my myself and my brothers. He had been touring the West Coast um, doing his music career up and down and learned how to cultivate cannabis along the way. Had a lot of friends who were in the creative space who were learning how to cultivate as the medical program happened in Oregon. So when Measure 91 passed in 2014, I had just finished my graduate program on the East Coast for oil painting. And he said, hey, do you want to come start a brand with me? Cannabis is now legal in Oregon. Let's build something together and, and use our creativity to make it fun. So I moved out to Oregon in 2015 with the idea of establishing the brand that now is Sugar Top Buttery um, along the skills my brother learned in cultivation and really trying to create a brand that was rooted in the foundations of arts, music, and community. So. It is a part of everything that we do as a brand, whether it is throwing events that activate the artist and musician in our local area, bringing musicians from around the country in to serenade the buds in our garden. But essentially, we take all of the things that we feel like are parallels from the culture of cannabis and what's inspiring about art and music and blending them together. So the, the question that was going to jump to mind is, let's talk about the cultivation and manufacture that, but I'm more, I want to ask the pre-question. How do, you, how do you then infuse your business and that experience? Mm -hmm. I'm hearing implicitly, it's a, experience is a big part of Sugar Top Buttery, into, the, into your operations. Expand on that. What does music mean? What does artist mean? What is... Absolutely. What, so, what is that experience? So the experience with cannabis, music, and art really comes down to the consumer experience. We know that cannabis is something that brings people together. Music is something that brings people together. Art is something that brings people together. People have a collective experience around these mediums, cannabis being a medium itself. And so being able to take our skill set in having events, in curating music, and actually infusing that into our cannabis. So the first step is that we have a music series in our garden called Serenaded Buds, where we play live music to our ladies while they're growing. 
So each cool. each round of plants <laughs> that we harvest have actually been serenaded. We have a YouTube channel where you can watch these wow. shows. So you get to experience the show itself, but you can also purchase the cannabis and. Can actually, I actually purchase the cannabis that was played to that specific song? Well, that's <laughs> well, the specific song maybe. My favorite song. I could have my favorite song. Uh, just an idea. You, you definitely know based on the time of year and when the shows were played that you are smoking some cannabis that was featuring one of these special so artists. Cool. That's awesome. So that's one of the things that we do literally in the grow room to bring that home. As far as other ways that we activate the community, we throw events and we're constantly having um, spaces for music and art to come together as a part of the brand. While consumption spaces aren't legal in Oregon yet, it is right. a dream of ours that that's someday a right. place that we'll be able to create and really be able to blend the two together in a true way. Um, but for now, we're really just tying the mission of the brand together with uh, the, the culture of the community and being able to really say that that's a big part of actually the inputs of our flower. Let's jump into the, the nitty gritty now because you're where a lot of people would like to be. So let's assume they're listening. Take me through that experience. Hey, come to Oregon, let's start a brand. Okay. <laughs> it's now you're sitting there going, what do we do next? Take me through a bit of that experience. Absolutely. Some steps. Um, and, and even how you go about focusing and creating a brand. Absolutely. It's um, definitely, it seems like a simple thing when you say, let's do it. And then there's actually the reality of putting it together. So, it doesn't sound simple to me. No, I not, said, no it's not. Brother, you know. What are you thinking? Yeah. Um, so essentially what we did first is we came up with the name Sugar Top Buttery. We named the thing before we, you know, so we, yeah, birthed, a, a we birthed it thing. into life. Right. So Sugar Top being the sugary top colas of the plant, Buttery being our version of the word brewery. There are many craft breweries in the world that really focus on making what they make best, brews. We make buds, and so we are a buttery. Yes, so, which is a B-U-D-D-E-R-Y. Correct. Lots buttery, of people think we're a bakery, buttery. not yeah. butter, buds. <laughs> we specialize in buds, right. so that's where the name Sugar Top Buttery came from. And from there, what we were really trying to do is, because we're a boutique craft size grow for our cultivation, we were trying to figure out how to get our products to the most people possible. So pre-rolls were the way to take that pound of flour and extend it into a unique CPG that was branded, that could tell the story of our brand, but also reach the most consumers that we could. And so we just started R&D on pre-roll machinery, R&D on hand rolling before this stuff existed. Walking the floor now at MJ Biz, there's 20 different machines out here that do Amazing, it well. Yeah. And so it really came down to just trial and error, sitting around the coffee table as a family and rolling joints, creating a data set on what our expectations were. You and would then... be good to have at a party. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to Anna. Yeah. But, um, just... Mine looked like garbage. It's like, come on, <laughs> where do you find this? Well, it just takes, uh, you know, it takes practice. Yeah. And anyone can learn how to roll a joint. Okay. And, um, now there are, like I said, all of these ways to do it well um, sure. through automation, which we're yeah. also moving forward with in our company. But essentially we created the brand, created the name, created a product that we knew worked. We were lucky enough to have really amazing cultivars, strains of cannabis like the Lottie Dottie and the Narnia. And so that really helped us just set the stage to differentiate it because we had really unique cultivars. So getting those to market and just really starting a slow grassroots, if you will, marketing campaign built on events as far as getting the brand out there. And we've been in business now for almost seven years, slowly, systematically growing the brand, growing the reach of our retailers. And now we've moved into uh, full-scale distribution where we actually represent other brands under our wow. distribution okay. model, in addition to manufacturing our own brands. We're here with Anna Kaplan, uh, co-founder, CEO of Sugar Top Buttery uh, here at MJ BizCon. Uh, it's an interesting idea to me because 
you know, you sit here at MJ BizCon, you're not sure if this is a fully mature industry. It's a huge show, mm -hmm. so it comes across like like one, but yet you almost get the feeling, I don't know necessarily on the demand side, that it's just starting out because an idea like this, when the lounges start coming, mm -hmm. when the events start happening, when consumption is legalized, let's say across, not necessarily federally, but in, in a more robust way, so you can have events. Exactly. And you're I, so positioned as opposed to some national brand. Well, thank you. That, that really means a lot. And as someone of my scale, it's one of the things we think about all the time is how to make that step, but do it intentionally right. and to do it successfully. I think one of the things when you mentioned mature market, I don't know what other industry you would call six, seven years a mature market, but in cannabis world, that is as old as it gets as far right. as being in the US. And so I think we've got a lot of potential energy to see how we actually can maximize true traditional marketing efforts, being able to use um, the platforms of consumption, actually being able to have the idea of cannabis bars exist and be something that actually brings people together physically and not something that people are relegated to do still in sort of a pseudo legal right. way in their right. homes. Um, and I think there's just so much potential. We obviously are seeing technology starting to meet what a mature industry looks like for how we cultivate, how we manufacture, but we're really still waiting for um, federal legalization to really be able to lift some of the restrictions that are allowing our brands to flourish. Yeah, for those of you who think you can come to MJ BizCon and enjoy the products, you can't. <laughs> I even saw some dogs walking around here. So uh, it's a little odd. It's a little oxymoronic just because of how we're celebrating yeah. it yet restricted at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and it's Vegas, but whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is a hard question or uh, an easy question. Looking back, because there aren't that many people who've had the journey you've had from, from the beginning to get to this point. What was the greatest challenge in hindsight? And if there was a mistake you could rect if you could go back and turn back time, what would that be, if anything? Sure, I think, you know, I'm still learning. I'm not gonna say that I figured it out. Fair but enough. I think one of the things that we're continuing to like think about and assess as we move forward is doing what you do well and not trying to do 10 things mediocre. That's, right. Sorry, that's not a word, but we essentially trying to really have a, a strict focus and staying in a lane where you're going to succeed because you're really putting all of your intention into it. Right. Um, and it's really, as somebody who really loves to have my hands on a lot of different aspects of the industry, I think it's really easy to just hit the ground running in every direction, but as a small team, we've been growing in a calculated way, so having pre-rolls be specifically our focus. People ask me all the time why we're named Sugar Top Buttery, but don't have an edible, for example, because everyone thinks we right. have you know, butter in our name. Um, that will come with time, and I think for us, it's just really having that slow and steady growth mentality, and I think that people, um, and myself included, because we've hit different roadblocks where we had to sort of pivot and you know go back to what we know best, um, and really do it in a way that makes sense with the growth of the market and also the um, the demand and saturation in the market too. Oregon's a very unique state compared to a lot of the other states as far as we have some in of the- sense? We have some of the best cannabis in the world at the cheapest prices and a really oversaturated supply chain. So until we have federal legalization and export as an option for us, Oregon's gonna continue to have really low prices compared to other states and also compared to the quality of product we have to offer. Right, so there's like, there's a wall and you just can't get over it. Yeah, and so it's really challenging and I think that's where yeah. you know brand dif differentiation really is important right now for everybody to stay afloat and to um, sort of ride the tides until we have a larger market to be able to sell to. Um, but in general, yeah, as far as lessons learned, it is 
being able to sort of ride those waves of fluctuation that we've seen year after year, even the success of COVID has still seen a drop off afterwards and being able to ride that. Through. Right. So, so. is expansion in other states part of the plan? Like, oh, absolutely. So, I mean, you could set up in another state. I think essentially what- As another company. And it's, would that, would that's what you have to do technically? Technically right now, there's a lot of different models that people right. deploy, whether it's a licensing model or actually getting licensing as in licensing the brand to yeah, existing right, entities or yeah. getting licenses, which would actually be licensed to grow or manufacture or distribute in those states too. So at, right now at this point in Sugartop's journey, we're figuring out what that looks like, which direction and path we want to go gotcha. as far as um, having partners in other states or, or doing it ourselves. But I'm open to all of them. Okay. <laughs> Is there a timeline? Um, Are you like, you know what? By 2023, we will have made that decision and absolutely yes yeah. i think 2023 is definitely um if you'd asked me in 2019 2023 well, you yeah, yeah. a little far off but i, I don't remember 2019 i don't either that actually we lost a, a year and a half yeah. <laughs> but yeah i would say in the next year we'll definitely be making those larger decisions about where we want to be next what those partnerships look like um, and it's a really exciting time to be making those choices thank you anna we're here with anna kaplan thank you very much for that uh, again, Anna Kaplan of Sugar Top Buttery, and if you want to learn more about them, go to SugarTopButtery.com. But that's B-U-D-D-E-R-Y, um, and they specialize in pre-rolls in Oregon. But it sounds like we're going to be uh, seeing you in a lot, potentially in some other places. Absolutely. Um, uh, thank you very much for this. This is a very interesting story, and it sounds like a, a super cool com company. Thank it doesn't surprise me that you created that niche and uh, every business person in the world knows brand, your, what your company stands for is the single most important thing that will survive any crisis, COVID or anything. What do people feel about it? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like people really love you guys. Thank you. There's, yeah. a, there's love is a core value of what we do. Yeah. And, and music, art. What's not to love? The, the, uni uh, the, the cannabis. The universal <laughs> pieces of life that tie us together through art, music, creativity, cannabis. So um, we feel like we're in the right place and we feel like our mission is, is really coming through in the brand. Anna, thank you very much. This was great. Thank you. Thank you for your time. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. So welcome back um, to the business of cannabis. There you have it. Uh, some interviews uh, that we conducted live from MJ BizCon on the exhibition floor. Uh, Wendy Braunfein and Jarrell Registry from Far and Daughter. We heard from Sally Kent Peebles, Vincente Soderberg, and Anna Kaplan, uh, Sugar Top Buttery. So, Matt, let's talk. Let's uh, let's talk. Uh, you know, we we talked uh, the week before to, to your CBD store, another franchise offering. Um, Far and Daughter. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 what, what was your take? You know, I actually. Um... You know, I thought it was uh, <clears throat> kind of a well thought out, um, you know, idea. Um, it's interesting because, you know, you and I've talked in the past about, 
you know, um, is franchising really for this industry? Um, and I, I think they've done it right. Um, you know, <clears throat> if I was getting into the business right now, I would probably look at foreign daughter as like an, um, uh, like a, like an a option, good, a like, very uh, good, a right. very good option. Yeah. Um, because, you know, eventually this is, this whole industry is going to be McDonald's. <laughs> I would say um, aspects of it might, because, yes. you know, we're, we talk to Anna Kaplan from Sugar Top Buttery and talk about being like, you know, uh, marketing 101, be different, be unique, well, uh, be special. It, it, and they are, but you're not going to have a thousand, uh, you know, well, they're not going to be across the, the country, but it's like, but where, heart, where, pretty cool. Where I, you know, I, I kind of um, use McDonald's on purpose because you can be because you love their food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but you can also like, you know, where I live, there's a, a Johnny Burger, and it's a great burger. There's no other Johnny Burger. <laughs> um, it's the only one, and um, they just do their thing really well and. You know, they have almost like a cult following um, to, a, to a degree. So I guess it really comes down to you have to pick your street, right? What street are you going to go down? Right. Are you going to go down the, you know, franchise route? Or are you going to go down, we're going to be really unique in this, in this market. And, and, I, think you have and yeah. to, I, I think you have to make that, make that call. And it's interesting if I'm a franchisee, right now there aren't a ton of franchise players, but if you're yep. right and the market moves maybe like fast food more to that aspect of it, you have to put a lot of thought into which franchise. <laughs> Just because That's it's a cannabis franchise, so what? A hundred percent. You know, it, there's going to be winners and losers of that. Um, yep. And like I said, Far Daughter seems like they have, like they've put together an, a really great offering. Uh, and in five years, we might be talking about, you know, coast to coast, they have a thousand uh, dispensaries, or we'll be talking about someone else. It's tough yeah. to do it now. It's hard, tough to know, but that's for the big, you know, if you were one of the first McDonald's franchises, you'd be pre doing pretty good now. I would think. <laughs> well, if you had 10 of them or 20 of them. I don't know uh, if you've seen the, uh, the Netflix movies, Founder. Um, the, no. the, the main guys did not make out well. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. But then, uh, eventually they, did, they, they bought, yeah, food, they, but, they did eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now well that, you know, and then we talked to Sally Kent Peebles, Vincente Soderbergh, I guess that ties in on some level. I was thinking mm -hmm. after the end of the show, uh, cause if you're going into franchising, whoa, you better use a lawyer one and two, it wouldn't be a bad idea to use a cannabis lawyer. Now, they're not that easy to find, but yeah. that was what I thought was pretty cool. It's it's a, a unique industry, and 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 they have the unique knowledge. If you want to screw up your business, ignore the law. <laughs> yeah. Don't get and, counsel. And and just for our listeners, Dave is a lawyer, so, right. he, so knows what, a he, 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 he he knows what he's talking about. Well, but. well, yeah, everyone hates lawyers, but they love their own. So, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that's when I was talking to Sally, I was thinking, yeah, like there are elements of leasing that are unique. There are, 
You know, if you're going right. to pay a premium, yep. you better know what that is. You better know what you're getting yourself into. You better know how important it is to get those options and what, what is available in the market. Because um, the, the law and the, is part of the value of your business, an intrinsic part of it, and people tend yeah. to ignore it. So I thought it was pretty cool. You know, the only, one of the, I don't think there are very many cannabis law firms, so it was cool to, to hear from one. Uh, yeah, no. And, and, you know, to your point, I mean, I have a, a, a good friend of mine who runs a, a fairly large, uh, real estate, um, you know, company and, you know, they, he actually reached out to me saying, Hey, we're looking to maybe lease some space to a cannabis store. Like right. what, what's going on (laughs) what's going on and uh you know what what should i what what should i actually know um you know and yeah i mean to your point i'm like there's a lot of you know the devil's in the details for sure yeah Um, i just got off the phone with someone uh they were calling me for advice about a lease this was a a dispensary and he was you know they were offering him a four a four-year lease with a four-year option i'm like okay but you're not getting much value there because after a yeah. first few years your leases doesn't have a lot of value um and they're right. going to get rid of you and maybe get up someone who's paying bigger rent so right. you might want to think that through so you know yep. um so well uh time to say goodbye um next week we'll be back with uh, some more interviews from mj bizcon uh, the last in our MJ BizCon specials. So and I, uh, I feel I feel bad because uh, Dave did most of the interviews because I was walking the floor, um, meeting uh, as many people as I possibly. I wanted could. to take uh, take advantage of your better fitness level. Yes, I'm, uh, I, I'm the better I, I, sitter. I walked, <laughs> I, I walked almost thirty miles yeah. um, in in a day and a half. So. Um, well, thanks as always to our sponsor, Cash Tech Currency Products. Uh, call them for all your Cash Tech Currency needs. Uh, lots of cash and cannabis. Um, so give them a call. And, and well, that's our show. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And this has been another episode of The Business of Cannabis. <music>